Chapter Fourteen of In the Mayor's Parlor by J. S. Fletcher. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Whose voices? Meeking, who by long experience knew the value of dramatic effect in the examination of witnesses, took full advantage of Mrs. Mallet's strange and unexpected announcement. He paused, staring at her. He knew well enough that when he stared, other folk would stare too. So for a full moment the situation rested. There stood Mrs. Mallet, resolute and unmoved, in the box, with every eye in the crowded court fixed full upon her, and Meeking, still gazing at her intently, and, of set purpose, half incredulously. There was something intentionally sceptical, cynical, in his tone when at last he spoke. "'Do you say, on oath, that you went through the door between Dr. Wellesley's house and the boot hall to the mayor's parlour that evening?' To the door of the mayor's parlour, corrected Mrs. Mallet. Yes, I do. I did. Was the door closed? The door was closed. But you say you heard voices. I heard voices within. Whose voices? That I can't say. I couldn't distinguish them. Well, did you hear the mayor's voice? I tell you, I couldn't distinguish any voice. There were two people talking inside the mayor's parlour anyway, in loud voices. It seemed to me that they were both talking at the same time. In fact, I thought... What did you think? demanded Meeking, as Mrs. Mallet paused. Well, I thought that, whoever they were, the two people were quarrelling. The voices were loud, lifted, angry, I thought. And yet you couldn't distinguish them? No, I couldn't. I might have recognised the mayor's voice, perhaps, if I'd gone closer to the door and listened, but I didn't stay. As soon as I heard what I have told you of, I went straight back. By the same way, to Dr. Wellesley's drawing-room? Yes. What happened then? I told Dr. Wellesley that the mayor had somebody with him, and that they appeared to be having high words, and as I didn't want to stop, he suggested that I should come again next evening. Then I went home. In the same way, by the private door into Piper's passage? Exactly. Did Dr. Wellesley go downstairs with you and let you out? He did. See anybody on that occasion? No, no one. Meeking paused, and after a glance round the table at which he was standing, looked at his notes. Now, Mrs. Mallet, he said presently, what time was this? I mean, when you left Dr. Wellesley's. A little before quarter to eight. The clock struck a quarter to eight just after I got into my own house. And where is your house? Next door to the Moot Hall. Dr. Wellesley's house is on one side of the Moot Hall. Ours is on the other. It would take you a very short time, then, to go home? A minute or two. Very well. And you went to Dr. Wellesley's at 7.30? Just about that. Then you were with him most of the time you were there, in his drawing-room? Certainly all the time except for the two or three minutes spent in going to the mayor's parlour. Talking to Dr. Wellesley? Of course. What do you suppose I went for? That's just what I want to find out, retorted Meeking, with a glance that took in the audience, now all agog with excitement. Will you tell us, Mrs. Mallet? Mrs. Mallet's handsome face became rigid, and her well-cut lips fixed themselves in a straight line but she relaxed them to wrap out one word. No. 
Come now, Mrs. Mallet, this is a serious, a very serious inquiry. It is becoming more serious the more it becomes mysterious, and it is becoming increasingly mysterious. You have already told us that you went secretly to Dr. Wellesley's house in order that you might see him, and afterwards the mayor, Mr. Wallingford. Now, you must have had some very special reason or cause for these interviews. Tell me what it was. What was it, Mrs. Mallet? No, that's my business. Nobody else's. I shall not say. Does Dr. Wellesley know what it was? Of course. Would the mayor have known if you'd seen him? Considering that that was the object I had in wanting to see him, of course he would, retorted Mrs. Mallet. I should think that's obvious. But you didn't see him, eh? You know very well I didn't. Pardon me, madam, said Meeking, with lightning-like promptitude. I don't know anything of the sort. However, does anyone else know of this business? That, too, is my concern, declared Mrs. Mallet, who had bridled indignantly at the barrister's swift reply. I shan't say it. Does your husband know of it? I'm not going to say that, either. Did your husband, who I believe is one of the town trustees, did he know of your visit to Dr. Wellesley's house on this particular occasion? I'll answer that. He did not. Where was he while you were at Dr. Wellesley's? Had you left him at home? No, he had gone out before I went out myself. As to where he was, I should say he was either at the Conservative Club or at Mr. Simon Crude's. Is it relevant? Amidst a ripple of laughter, Meeking made a gesture which signified that he had done with Mrs. Mallet, and she presently stepped down from the witness-box. Meeking turned to the coroner. "'I want to have Dr. Wellesley in that box again, sir,' he said. "'Let Dr. Wellesley be recalled,' commanded the coroner. Wellesley, once more in the full gaze of the court, looked vexed and impatient. Those who had occasionally glanced at him while Mrs. Mallet was giving her evidence had observed that he showed signs of being by no means pleased at the turn things had taken since her sudden intervention. Sometimes he had frowned, once or twice he had muttered to himself, and he now looked blackly at Meeking as the barrister once more confronted him. "'You have heard the evidence of the last witness?' asked Meeking abruptly. "'All of it,' replied Wellesley. "'Is it correct as to details of time?' so far as i recollect quite when mrs mallet went by the private door between your drawing-room and the moot hall to see the mayor what did you do waited for her in my drawing-room how long was she away five minutes perhaps had you made any appointment with the mayor on her behalf no i had not you sent her to see him on the chance of her finding him there in the mayor's parlour there was no chance about it i knew as a good many other people did, that just then Wallingford spent almost every evening in the mayor's parlour. Have you ever visited him in the mayor's parlour during these evening attendances of his? Oh, yes, several times. By this communicating door? Certainly, and he had made use of it in coming to see me. Do you know what the mayor was doing on these occasions? I mean, do you know why he spent so much time at the mayor's parlour of an evening? Yes, he was going as thoroughly as he could into the financial affairs of the corporation. 
Now I want to put a very particular question to you, with the object of getting at some solution of this mystery. What was Mrs. Mallet's business with you and the Mayor? I cannot reply to that. You won't give me an answer? I won't. Do you base your refusal on professional privilege, Doctor? No, not at all. Mrs. Mallet's business was of an absolutely private nature. It had nothing whatever to do with the subject of this inquiry. I tell you that on my honour, on my oath. Nothing whatever. You mean directly? Meeking threw a good deal of significance into this question, which he put slowly, and with a peculiarly meaning glance at his witness. But Wellesley either did not see or affected not to see any significance, and his answer came promptly. I mean precisely what I say, as I always do. Meeking leaned across the table, eyeing Wellesley still more closely. Do you think, knowing all that you do now, that it had anything to do with it indirectly? Indirectly? Self-controlled though he was, Wellesley could not repress a start of surprise at this question. It was obviously unexpected, and it seemed to those who, like Brent and Tansley, were watching him narrowly, that he was considerably taken aback by it. He hesitated. "'I want an answer to that,' said Meeking, after a pause. "'Well,' replied Wellesley at last, "'I can't say. What I mean by that is that I am not in a position to say. I am not sufficiently acquainted with, let me call them, facts to be able to say. What I do say is that Mrs. Mallet's business with me and with Wallingford that evening was of an essentially private nature and had nothing whatever to do with what happened in the mayor's parlour just about the time she was in my drawing-room. That is, as far as you are aware? As far as I am aware, yes, but I am quite sure it hadn't. You can't give this court any information that would help to solve this problem? I cannot. Well, a question or two more. When Mrs. Mallet left you at your door in Piper's Passage, I mean when you let her out just before a quarter to eight, what did you next do? I went upstairs again to my drawing-room. May I ask why? Yes, I thought of going to see Wallingford in the mayor's parlour. Did you go? No, I should have gone, but I suddenly remembered that I had an appointment with a patient at Meadowgate at ten minutes to eight o'clock. So I went back to the surgery, exchanged my jacket for a coat, and went out. On your oath, have you the slightest idea as to who killed John Wallingford? I have not the least idea. I never had. Meeking nodded, as much as to imply that he had no further questions to ask. When his witness had stepped down, he turned to the coroner. I should like to have Bunning, the caretaker, recalled, sir, he said. I want to ask him certain questions which have just occurred to me. Bunning, he continued, when the ex-sergeant had been summoned to the witness-box, I want you to give me some information about the relation of your rooms to the upper portion of the moot hall. You live in rooms on the ground floor, don't you? Yes? Very well, now. Is there any entrance to your rooms other than that at the front of the building, the entrance from the marketplace? Yes, sir. There's an entrance from St. Lawrence Lane at the back. Is there any way from your rooms to the upper floors of the Moot Hall? Yes, sir. There's a back stair from our back door. 
Could anybody reach the Mayor's Parlour by that stair? They could, sir, certainly, but either me or my wife would see them. Just so, if you were in your rooms. But you told us in your first evidence that from about seven-twenty or so until eight o'clock you were smoking your pipe at the marketplace entrance to the Moot Hall, where, of course, you couldn't see your back door. That correct? Very well. Now, while you were at the front, was your wife in the rooms at the back? Yes, sir. Do you know what she was doing? I do, sir. She was getting our supper ready. Are you sure she never left the house, your rooms, you know? Bunning started. Obviously a new idea had occurred. Aye, said Meeking with a smile. Just so, Bunning. You're not sure? Well, sir, replied Bunning slowly, now that I come to think of it, I'm not. It never occurred to me before, but during that time my missus may have been out of the place for a few minutes or so to fetch the supper beer, sir. To be sure. Now where does Mrs. Bunning get your supper beer? At the Chancellor, vault, sir, round the corner. Meeking turned quietly to the coroner. I think we ought to have Mrs. Bunning's evidence, he remarked. It took ten minutes to fetch Mrs. Bunning from her rooms in the lower regions of the old Moot Hall. She came at last, breathless, and in her working attire, and turned a wondering, good-natured face on the barrister. "'Just a little question or two, Mrs. Bunning,' he said half indifferently. "'On the evening of the late Mayor's death, did you go out to the Chancellor Vaults to fetch your supper beer?' "'I did, sir, just as usual.' "'What time?' A bit earlier than usual, sir, half-past seven. How long were you away? Why, sir, to tell you the truth, nigh on to half an hour. I met a neighbour at the corner at... Exactly. And stopped chatting a bit. So you were out of your rooms in the Moot Hall that evening from 7.30 to nearly eight o'clock? Yes, sir. Meeking gave the coroner a glance, thrust his hands into his pockets, and dropped back into his seat, silent and apparently satisfied. End of chapter 14